0: 303 That's Magic Financing. Features Mago the Magician. They're open Monday through Friday until 8 and Saturdays till 7. Check them out. That's Magic Financing. Call them today at 303-298-1155. Tell them you heard about it here at KUHSDenver.com. Also visit us at www.magicfinancing.com.
1: Need a good book for reading, teaching, or a gift? Buy A Teacher Grows Up in Commerce City or No More Green Chili and the very latest, The Crochet Lady written by author and former teacher Albert C. Quintana. El Maestro. He offers you these books at www.quintanareads.com Buy the latest new book, soon to be a number one bestseller. The Crochet Lady. It's a hidden history of San Luis Valley. Go to www.quintanareads.com and buy your books. That's No More Green Chili, A Teacher Grows Up in Commerce City, and the very latest, The Crochet Lady. Get yours today by going to www.kintanareads.com. You'll be glad you did.
2: Good afternoon, and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and boy, do we have a great guest on our show today. I just want to do a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Magic Financing. If you want to buy a car, a used car, uh, any car, you want to buy a car, you've got to go to these guys. uh, Magic Financing, uh, Maurizio... Uh, magic uh, motto out down there he if you need a car you need a used car anything you just got to go to these guys Uh, we've been going to them for years uh, actually and anytime we needed to buy something soon we got it they can take care of your financing right there Uh, they have an amazing lot of so many different uh, kinds of cars that you can uh, uh, select from so go down to magic financing they will help you they're outstanding tell them Charlie sent you uh, you can go to their website at www.magicfinancing.com. Again, that's magicfinancing.com. So check them out; they're great. They're right on, right off of Federal, Sixty uh, Fourth, and uh, Federal. So, all right. Uh, today we've got. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we, I'm an author. I like to talk to authors and people who write and. Who are artists, you know, who are trying to bring things into the world that you know are unique and stories that have never been heard, and being able to, uh, you know, express those 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 little gems that everybody gets in their life. We all have those stories in life that, uh, boy, they they make us who we are, and we often forget that if we don't keep retelling the stories. One of the things that's fascinating to me about. Uh, uh, the Jewish tradition, is that they have kept the story of Moses. They have, they have c- continued that exodus story year after year. They reenact it. They, they, they make sure that they go through all the different ceremonies and things, and it's a story that becomes a part of their identity. And a lot of the times here in America, because uh, most of our families immigrated here from somewhere, Uh, we lost touch with some of those stories we lost touch with our roots we lost touch with those things that really highlighted how we got here how our ancestors got here how we got here and and so many things had to happen in a certain way in a certain configuration and being able to bring us to that point of you know wow here i am (laughs) how did that happen and so, you know, as a, as an author, I you know wanted to bring this uh, gentleman on the show because we both have books uh, out there that are for sale, and uh, we are so excited today to uh, to bring on our special guest, Albert Quintana. Albert Quintana is formerly known as Mister Q and El Maestro. Maestro. Maestro is a retired social studies teacher from Adams City High School and radio show host on the Qnexion show here at KUHSDenver.com. <laughs> He's a native Coloradoan who graduated from Adams City High School. He received his B.A. from the University of Northern Colorado in 1975. In 1983, he received his master's degree from the University of Colorado at Boulder with an emphasis in bilingual bicultural education. After retiring from his 30 years of teaching, he started his writing career with his first book, A Teacher Grows Up in Commerce City. Several years later, he wrote No More Green Chili. And then finally, he wrote this book here, The Crochet Lady, which is his uh, third book. And it's outstanding. (laughs) And it just talks about the story of uh, a woman, right? Yes. uh, rem- reminiscing about her past, and the, and the joy and the exuberance that it brings her, but also the hardships, and it's very revealing as this person is going from into the past and bringing that into the present and dealing with the challenges that she's dealing with in the present, and then recharging by remembering her past and the things that she had to overcome. And it's really a, a, a story of, of growing up in Colorado, right? Yes. And, and so it's fantastic and so you can buy the crochet lady at www.quintanareads.com again that's Kintana Reads, dot com.
0: well welcome to the show thank you Charlie it's really nice to be here uh I uh, haven't been in the studio for quite a while. I make my home in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, of course, to be closer to my grandchildren, uh, it's very important uh, for my wife and I, I to uh, to see uh, our children, our grandchildren grow up. And uh, we want to see those, those special moments. Uh, we had the opportunity, and it's going to sound like I'm bragging, but... Uh, My oldest grandson, Cortez Mora, he uh, is the state champion. Uh, He was on the state champion team in Edmond, Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. uh, for tennis. And uh, if we would have been in Colorado, we would have never been able to see that. We would go to all of his uh, tournaments, all his meets, and now it's all come to fruition because now he's a freshman at – The School of Mines in Golden. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And he's a top-notch math student, and uh, we got to see him go through all that. And now we have another little grandson, uh, Monty Mora. It's really interesting because he loves tennis, too. And they have some very unique names, Cortez and Monty, like Hernando Cortez and Montezuma. So (laughs) that was the uh, whole idea there with my daughter when she thought about this, but... uh, I'm here. I'm here in Colorado and I'm here to promote my book and uh I'd like to thank uh Charlie for allowing me to be here and of course Henry for allowing me to be a part of this great uh program, this great uh station kuhdenver.com.
2: Uh kuhsdenver.com. It's a great station. We just uh and thank you for our, for sharing that and uh you know, it sounds like you and uh, your <laughs> wife are busy keeping up with all the grandchildren. Yeah. And, and making, uh, you know, when you have some. Making so the most of it, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we lost somebody very dear here at KUHS uh, last week, and they had a funeral service for him yesterday. Uh, for Danny Doc Uliabari, uh, who is such a dear, dear friend uh, of mine for the short time that I knew him. And uh, we will dearly miss him. Uh, he was such a great friend, good person, just loved people, uh, shared his uh, gifts with everyone, uh, spread love around. I mean, he was enjoy. He just did. And uh, it was reflected, from what I understand. I did, wasn't able to make it to the services yesterday. But it was reflected in the, the amount of people that came to, um, to his services and, and how he had impacted um, their lives and uh you know it's it's not uh we don't often realize how we impact people Um, we want to look at the consequences we want to look at how our life and the choices and the things that we've given the little invisible acts of power that we've uh, uh, given to other people in their lives and very often it doesn't show up until someone passes that we recognize we realize how much we've been affected by someone so we will dearly miss danny Did you know Danny?
0: Yes, uh, on that note, um, I had been texting uh, Danny the day before he passed, and we were just talking, and I had told him that I did my student teaching at Brighton High School, and I graduated in 1975, and that's the year that I was at Brighton High School. And he said, you know what, ironically uh, or coincidentally, he that's the year he graduated and i mentioned some teachers that he had he goes wow i haven't heard those names for a long time mm-hmm. and those are the last words i i saw in print so um blessings to him and and the family and i respect all that you've gone through and uh deep prayers for you guys for your healing
2: yes uh lots of lots of healing prayers guidance and uh, support to all the family um now you have in your book, what inspired you to write The Crochet Lady? I mean, this is, uh, this is a book that you, I believe you probably put your whole heart and passion into. Was there an inspiration? You know, like when I, when yes. I wrote my book, uh, Meditations, this is my book, Meditations of Masters of the Axial Age. Um, it, uh, you know, I was inspired after reading a book. There was a book <laughs> called uh, The Great Transformation. It was written by a woman named Karen Armstrong and this was during my graduate studies, and I just loved it. I mean, it was like <laughs> eye-opening and yeah. historical, and things started to make sense, and I just wanted to, you know, it, it gave me this idea for my book that it was, it was what inspired me to write mine. Uh, is there a particular Well, there, I guess there's,
0: there's quite a bit of different inspirations. Uh, I always wanted to write. Uh, I taught 30 years at Adams City School District 14, and, um, and that's never Colorado, really, yeah, right. never really had the the chance to write, and um, so um, I'm retired. I was retired. Actually, it was right before I was tire- uh, retired. Um, I started thinking of all these stories that my mom had told me mm-hmm. when she was growing up as a kid, as a migrant farm worker in Colorado. Now, that's this is my mom, and that book is uh, A Teacher Grows Up in Commerce City. Those stories are my childhood growing up in School District 14. And becoming a teacher in the same district that I had gone to school in uh, was r- quite a- an inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. But that, that was like the beginning. That was the very beginning of my um, writing. But even before then, we were all... All the teachers were uh, required to do SSR. I don't know if you know what SSR is. Mm -hmm. Sustained silent reading. That meant 20 minutes every day, first period. Everybody would have to grab a book, different books. And the teacher, too, was required to be in front of the class reading silently. And I had to find a book to read. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I looked back, and I had a whole bunch of books in my – shelf, and it was uh, Rain of Gold. Oh, okay. Rain of Gold <laughs> by Victor Villaseñor. And I read that book, and I could not put it down. Mm. And just like you, with the, with the uh, experience you had with the great transformation. Mm-hmm. And in that book, I was just so inspired that this individual was able to bring li- uh, bring the reading in t- to life. Mm-hmm. So um, I continued. And uh, with that book, uh, A Teacher Grows Up in Commerce City. And then I uh, wrote a book, No More Green Chili, and that was about my mom. Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to go ahead and talk about her life because my dad had passed away. And she was just there, and I looked over at her at the the funeral. And I said, what's mom going to do now? Mm -hmm. Because dad did everything. Mm -hmm. Books, everything. uh, Taxes. Uh, the bills and I said what's mom going to do and, and her self esteem was somewhat low and and uh, but I said I'm going to write a book and tell her about her history mm-hmm. and how glorious it is and how powerful it is to be a Chacon who lived in Colorado during that time period so I wrote the book No More Green Chili and then all of a sudden Several years later, my mother-in-law moves in with us, and she was on her last days, and that's what the crochet lady's about. It's her last days about Louise and I, how we took care of her and how we uh, had to do all these different things that she couldn't do anymore. We had to drive her to appointments. We had to carry her sometimes. Uh, all those things that it, that you know all those things you do to to support someone yeah. when they're in their last days and um her name's Ida Cisneros and she is the most incredible woman I've ever met and I did it because of a promise and I kept that promise when I wrote that book in her last days she did ask me to write her book so here it is, the crochet lady. <laughs> That's it's a, amazing. it's an awesome book. Yeah. I mean, everybody should have this book. It's, it's, it's a story of life. Yeah, everybody goes through this life, taking yeah. care of somebody, and
2: well, and then being able to share those stories. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, we. I remember my grandmother would tell us stories especially yeah. when she you know um, and this is on my on my dad's side she would be sharing stories when she was uh, convalescent uh, in her in the nursing home and would be okay. remembering the times in her life that she had lived through the de- Great Depression some of the the, the traumas that she experienced you uh, you know in her life and she came here um, you know, with two children, uh, left Seattle, uh, very young children, and during the time of the Great Depression, with I believe like a dollar thirty-five in her pocketbook, oh, and, her, and had nothing. Hadn't left. I mean, the courage that it took to be able to to break away from a, a situation where she was with an a, a abusive person, that and to break out of that situation. The courage that it took to do at that time was enormous. And her reminiscing about those times and living it, and. If you don't write those stories down, they disappear. And if yeah. you don't keep them alive in your, in your lore and you remember what people went through, it, it, it's, it somehow it takes away from our, our lives, I believe. Like that story means something to me. Knowing what that it gives me, just that inspiration that I need to write. Boy, if my grandmother could go through that, I can get through this. Do you think it's important that we remember our stories in those ways?
0: Yeah, just like you said earlier, it's it's hidden history, and if we don't bring it out, no one's ever going to hear it. Um, You know, all these other, some of these movies that are out there. You know, Superman one, two, and three, and and now you have the Joker. Those, you know, those are great movies, Mm -hmm. but who knows about Mary Chacon or Mary Smith or or Tom Smith you know who knows what stories are there about the building of the Panama Canal about the individuals who who worked hard to leave their families home to go work who who uh, w- were inflicted with uh, disease as they were working and how many of these men uh, fell into the canal and were smashed to death stories like that the building of the of the pyramids the stories of the families. We never hear about the stories of the families. All we hear is about, oh, these great people, uh, the Egyptians couldn't have built it because they wouldn't been able to carry these big stones. And we we never give any credit to the human the being. You know, those are stories that need to bring out. Uh, I would like to make another point here is that, I know I might be getting off on a tangent, but uh, last month I was able to do a um, presentation on uh, my DNA, my background, my family, and I I found out that uh, I don't have that much Spanish blood in me. I do have a lot of uh, Native American, but I I did find out about the Italian and the Greek Mm -hmm. in my DNA, and I thought about all those stories. How did it lead up to what Charles talked about earlier is that all of a sudden we're here. Mm-hmm. We're the surviving DNA. And that's, like, I want to write a story, uh, a book called The Sur- Surviving DNA, A Human Story. Yeah, that sounds like and a just, story. And it would be, of course it would be <laughs> fictional. Right, yeah, yeah. Of course it would be fictional, but just think about that. How did these people survive? You know, Char- Charlie just gave an example of his, his your mother or grandmother? Who's my grandmother, grandmother? Grandmother coming with a buck yeah. 75 in her pocket and that's it. Think about all those transitions that these people would have to go through, their cultural changes, the language changes, mm-hmm. the fusion of language, the uh, miscegenation of people, the bloods, the, um, the religious beliefs, how they had to change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, there's a whole new world out there, and that whole new world needs to be come out even though it's somewhat needs to be embellished but it's something fun it's something fun to do see i'd rather i'd rather go to a, a show and see something like the overcomer which is uh, is out there now mm-hmm. instead of something like uh i don't know i can't even think of one uh, where they're Transformers. <laughs> I'd rather see the overcover right, of a human right. story yes. instead of the over instead of the uh, Transformers. And you know, I, you guys might castigate me for that, but mm-hmm. that's okay. You know, I, that's the way I feel.
2: Well, and that's, you know, I, I come from an acting background as well. One of the things that we really loved was character-driven stories, content-driven stories, things that were human, things that talked about what ordinary people and the heroic struggles that they have to go through on a regular basis that people don't know anything about. And we hold uh, the ordinary, I believe, in contempt. Yes. We hold the ordinary in contempt. We look down upon being ordinary. We have to be something extraordinary where we have to be this superb uh, person in history in order to be remembered or recognized and like God there are so many stories in your families and in our families and things that we share where there was a heroic struggle in, in, in those moments of courageous people having to leave their country of origin like my, my mother's family had to leave their country of origin they didn't know the language they didn't know how to speak there was a uh, a displacement that they had to go through in coming to a country that, where they didn't speak the language you know, and didn't know how to speak the language and how they assimilated and how they faced every day and how they brought themselves you know, together and, and how they helped one another. Those to me are the heroic stories that people miss because we're looking someplace else and I think that you know, uh, when I was, what's really I find, find uh, important in people is that, that you have that within you you have that same kind of ability to be able to find that hero in you in your journey of life. Yes. Don't look to these, I don't know, movies where they have people flying around all the time. That's <laughs> like look to your own selves. Look to your life.
0: Except for I did have a dream where I took off running and I was in the air flying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, dreams I had, yeah. The They're crazy.
0: Crazy, dream. yeah, uh, so crazy dreams. There's somebody wants to in the head with a hammer or something. Uh-huh. Oh, like.
2: Oh. <laughs> Well, it's. Um, so, what do you think is. Um, what do you think is so important? You know, when we talk about remembering where we came from, why do you think these stories are important to us? I mean, is it important? Do you think that there's a lack of understanding by the people today and awareness of uh, what our ancestors did to bring us to where we are today?
0: Yeah, I think there is because I think it's all based right now. People are on a survival mode. Yeah. Can I make. Uh, the mortgage payment this month? Am I going to have enough money to be able to pay for my my child's uh, education? Uh, am I going to be able to pay for their uh, tuition? Am I going to be able to pay for uh, them to be in baseball or mm-hmm. softball or wrestling? Am I going to be able to uh, uh, hold a high standard mm-hmm. of respect to my family? And I think that's that's the whole thing is it's about survival the human being is is here on a survival mode so <laughs> yeah
2: yeah
0: so that's that's what i think about all the time is like how did how did i make it my wife and i we got married very young and and we and we made it and we're still trying to make it
2: yeah.
0: cuz you know we want the best for our children the best for our grandchildren
2: And, you know, we all do. I mean, I think that uh, having those appreciations for our ancestors and the things that they've done give us a sense of where we came from, and that's so important. If you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. (laughs) You've got to be able to say and honor those people and honor those that came before you in a way that allows you to be able to say, wow, you know, they sacrificed. I know for, like, my grandparents on my mom's side, they sacrificed everything for everybody to come here in order to give them a better life. If we're not doing our best to, you know, we're not going to make perfect choices, but if we're doing our best to give, to make the most out of the life that we have, we're mm-hmm. honoring them. And we can change, and we can grow, and we can learn, and we can contribute more. But you got to recognize what other people did to get you to where you are. I think it's paramount. Yeah.
0: You know? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> everything that we do should be an example. Mm-hmm. It should be an example to... It doesn't even have to be your own kids. It's, yeah. You know, as a teacher of 30 years, I always had to be that example. I always had to be that role model. Um, I used to always look at my my classroom as uh, part of my ministry.
2: Yeah.
0: I looked at it as a ministry.
2: Yeah.
0: And every kid that was in that classroom needed to be blessed. <laughs> they need to be blessed. And... Um, Sometimes I would say, go by each desk, and I would say a little prayer and, and go off and and just hope the, for the best. But I think it all came out good. Um, my son's a um, high school wrestling coach mm-hmm. and English teacher at Eagle Crest High School. And I told I told him, I said, you know, you have all these kids, and you're the coach. You're the main dude. You're the main dude in that in that gym, and they see you. And it, to me, it's important, yes, to have state championships, but the most important thing is that when those kids come back 20 years later and say, hi coach, mm-hmm. you meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So that's those are some of the things that I think are that are probably why I made it, mm-hmm. why I was able to go that long in teaching, because it was always the kids, mm-hmm. it was always the kids.
2: Now, the main character, let's get back to you, real oh, yeah. on your book here. I mean, we're going through this back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the main character <laughs> in your novel is the, the crochet lady. Yeah. And she's based upon uh, the life experiences of uh, your mother-in-law. Your-law. Yeah. And she, uh, she figuratively spins yarn. Yes. But literally, she's also spinning the yarn while she's reminiscing about these tales of the past. And so she's moving back from the present to the past, back to the present again. Now, why did you choose this unique literary style? Because it is. Well, I
0: tensioned it up a little bit, Charlie. Um, What I did, I started off with the writing of her crocheting because she was constantly crocheting. Mm -hmm. You know, even to the last days, she was crocheting. But. What she was, oh my, I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> oh, God. What was important was that it changed mm-hmm. because it also veers off with her thinking about the place she was from. Mm-hmm. And that was a little place called Lojito, Colorado in Southern Colorado. And uh, she was a stepdaughter to a man. Her dad died when she was six, I believe six months old. Wow. The mother went off and she married uh, a younger man. They had children, they had three daughters, and um, he comes home one day with a, he comes home with a uh, airplane engine and with that airplane engine, he turns the airplane engine into a a sawmill. And that's what the family does. Mm. It becomes a lumber camp. So at first he hires all of these men from the area mm-hmm. and then he's a shrewd businessman and they don't want to work for him anymore. So who gets gets guess who works? The girls. Mm-hmm. So my mother in law is one of the first uh women uh, lumberjacks in that area. Wow, wow! So it's 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 really uh, an awesome I've story. Kind of
2: heard of, yeah. yeah, they were actually lumberjacks. They were working in the mills themselves. Yeah, it
0: was uh, Lucero Lumber, Lumber Company. And what you, what uh, time frame was this? What about what we're years? We're looking at uh, post uh, about early nineteen forties, late thirties.
2: So uh, so right at the end of the Great Depression, was yes. around World War Two. Yes. And where were these mills at? Was it down in... It was uh, just one mill. It just was just one, one mill.
0: Mills. It was a Lucero Logging Company, and it was right there uh, 15 miles from Capoline, uh, Colorado. I don't know if you're familiar with Capoline.
2: Capoline, no. <laughs> Where's that? Where's <laughs> you know,
0: La Jara La and all those other places. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alamosa. Alamosa? Yeah, in that area. Yeah. And... Um, but what, what's interesting, I'm gonna go ahead and preface it a little bit, because what happens is, she's a little girl, she goes to school, mm-hmm. and she's, um comes in contact with a, a speaker for the classroom who was a Native American, he was a ch- chieftain, and he tells this glorious story, the folklore, mm-hmm. about the three mountains that are there in the San Luis Valley that surround the valley.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh it the story is about uh, White Mountain and white butterfly mm. wow, a- and I'm not going to say any more because <laughs> from that point it parallels her life and how she meets her husband wow. so there's a there's a connection between uh that story of the white butterfly and White Mountain to how she met her husband, and she always was very, very faithful in her belief in God. Mm-hmm. And that was what, what would drive her, and she would always pray to God that uh, that she would find the right person mm-hmm. in her life. And um, she said she had several chances to get married with the uh, older men, because her, the stepfather would always bring an older guy who probably lost his wife, and she would all say, no, this is the, this isn't the man for me. Mm-hmm. And so the right man was, why um, was dad? <laughs> but the story, it's, it's, it, it was a very harsh uh, life because even though you think about lumber a lumber camp being somewhat like maybe functional, mm-hmm. it was coming like a little primitive. Because all they had was a, a stream that was outside by their home and the, the girls would daily have to go with buckets of water to the stream to get watered. There was no uh, pump, or... Uh, <laughs> they, didn't have a, they didn't have a faucet
2: where they could turn on? No, the there was no toilet, and It was an
0: outhouse. <laughs> and, and so in the 40s, you yeah, know... and That's not so long ago. It's not that, long, not that yeah. long ago. Where so if you can envision yeah. uh, these young girls with two buckets of water coming in, and then sometimes the, the water would, uh, from the stream, would turn almost like into a river, so then when it would secede, the uh, it would be muddy, <laughs> so it'd be hard to go in and walk in and get the the uh, the water from the stream. So
2: it's hard. I mean, it, th- when people have those, th- when they come from extreme poverty, real poverty, mm-hmm. where uh, you're starving, where you're you're hungry, where you, people have to sacrifice for one another in order to be able to eat, uh, d- distilling their own water, purifying their own yes. water. And, uh, having to uh, farm the land, and sometimes the land doesn't always produce because you know there's so many different other elements that you have to rely on the weather, the the uh, whether if there's a heat or a drought, if there's enough rain, if the so- all these different things can affect. And when you're living that moment to moment deep
0: abject poverty, you learn some valuable lessons. Exactly, exactly. It's like you don't know anything else yeah one of the things too that i have to bring in is that ida the crochet lady <laughs> <laughs> she in her last days she went deaf mm. she couldn't hear and you know 6 months earlier she's telling me albert please write my book so i'm she's deaf and here i am how am i going to do this so i went and got a whiteboard and some eraser pens. Mm-hmm. And I would write the question down and she would answer it. But a lot of times she was very short because she couldn't focus for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked her one question. Uh, Ida, um, what was life like in Lojito? Mm-hmm. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, it was hard for me to write these stories. So. I would get little bits and p- pieces of, of the conversation, and from this conversation, I was able to create something. But also, I would inter- I interviewed some of uh, her, uh, some of the relatives who knew her mm-hmm. during the time when she was in Lojito, and uh, the mother-in-law. When I first met Louise, my wife, <laughs> my wife, uh, we. We go in, and she's really hospitable, and so was her, her dad. And the first thing that they did was um, they make pork chops, stuffed pork chops, mashed potatoes, gravy, and uh, some kind of vegetable. And then after that night, I left, and Louise says, my mom's never made that for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: she must have known. <laughs> uh, she must have known you were, that you were <laughs> I was the catch. I was the
0: catch. And mm. if you could think about that, that was the, like the nineteen seventies. I had hair on my, down to my shoulders, and I wore these nerdy glasses. And uh, golly. I don't know how I got such a beautiful wife, tell you the truth.
1: <laughs> well, Again, it must be
0: my charm or something. <laughs>
2: well, I, I she probably, you know, it's always in your heart. And uh, I would imagine that uh, most people that you know in your heart, who's, who's the right person for you? and then, uh, I, think so. I think so. I think so. How important do you think as a writer? You know, uh, both of us love books. Are, are you an avid reader?
0: I should be more.
2: I yeah. kind of slow down a lot. Oh, gosh, I love it. I mean, I, loved, I slowed down too, but I love I to read. Uh, I love those books where you can get just get lost in them and you're carried away by, yeah, the, uh, by the, the writer's imagination and the story and the weaving. Of the, I mean, I just love it. Yes. And I love it. Um, and there's always some kind of message that a writer tries to convey. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, a theme. Uh, that drives the message, and it being able to, you know, allow the reader to be able to understand, um, you know, like Leo Tolstoy's in uh, Anna Karenina was all about the difference between mature love and carnal love oh. and spiritual love. I mean, it was just, just one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, what what is the message that you're trying to convey, and why and why do you think the message is so important?
0: Well, the message for one thing is it was the promise yeah. to write this story. You know, I know I have a great imagination. I used to come up with some great lessons in school for the kids. I remember sometimes I'd go and and uh, I wouldn't have anything to teach that day. Mm-hmm. So I'd be in the hallway and I'd say, what am I going to teach? I, I said, my lesson plan ended right here and i got to and then get back in the front of that classroom and it ended up being probably one of my best lessons ever. <laughs> I mean, it's just like creativity, creativity, so.
2: Well, creativity, so, and being able to tap into your own creativity. I think one of the things that uh, people miss out on is that you you have a creative soul. You have the ability to to write, to, to sing, to uh, compose yeah. music, to, uh, write poetry, to dance, to do mm-hmm. anything, you know anything that allows <laughs> yourself. To, I mean, it's just that feel art. that spirit right there. that moves through yeah. you. And I think in our late in our age of technology, we have become so preoccupied. I don't have, I don't think, I, uh, with our like our phones. And I and I know I do this too. Yeah, I know. I'm, 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 I'm I look at that, and I will I will scroll through Facebook. I will go through uh, my emails. I'll do all these different things. And but my focus isn't there, and, I, and so much of our technology, people are, are losing their connections to the stories of their past because of, of their whole attention is drawn right here. Yes, uh, they don't remember the challenges, the hardships, the difficulties. Our our, our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents, and all they, what they had to go through, to what they had to overcome. Do you see this? Does this lack of awareness? of our past and history concern you, as a former teacher?
0: Uh, Yes, it is, because um, I just like, so thankful right now that I'm not in the classroom, because I'd have to deal with all those cell phones. (laughs) Could you imagine that? Put your cell phone away. Pick it up after class. I, you know, just, it's such a distraction. It's just such a distraction, and I I do think it's taken away from uh, the kids' imagination, and, and uh, they see so much junk out there. Mm-hmm. Some, I mean, beyond embellishment, it's just lies and, and bakery. It just, I don't know. It's, just, I, it's really hard to answer that question.
2: Uh, and, it, and it's a big question. I mean, I it, was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was just for kind of discussion. I think uh, that if we don't, like I said, if we're not connected to what God is here and the people who helped us to get, we don't. We're not carrying forward the sacrifices that they made for us to be here. Yeah. And doing it with a sense of honor and integrity, we we become. We we can do whatever we want whenever we want it without being it if you're not connected to your value system and your integrity and doing the right thing and yeah. doing, you know and being concerned for the welfare of, of others and recognizing that every choice you make has a consequence and if that's true that means that if I make this choice it's going to affect a lot more people than just me because my choice is going to affect my family it's going oh, to affect yes. this and sometimes you may have to do that maybe you uh, are breaking a belief maybe you are opening people's uh, minds and paradigms and and breaking through something for their sake, for yeah. the benefit of uh, something greater than yourself. But if we're not aware of all those dynamics that led to us, I think it's detrimental in the long run. I think it makes us very short-sighted. I think it makes us people who are easy to control. I think it makes us very easy to control. If we, if we keep it minimalized yeah. in our technology, and just are you focusing, people don't think anymore. People are not thinking for themselves anymore. And that's one of the things that is so uh, scary to me is that it makes people easily uh, uh, propagandized. It makes people very easily manipulated. Oh, really? You know what manipulation is? This is one of the best uh, descriptions. Manipulation? Manipulation, at its core, is making someone else's spirit
0: dance for you. Think about how much control there is. Oh, gosh. You see all the fighting on, on Facebook, all the, uh, <sighs> the two sides. It's crazy. Anti-Trump, anti-Democrat. Uh, and, and the more and more I was getting involved in some of the discussions, mm. I was getting like sick because I said, look what I'm doing, I'm creating dissension mm-hmm. between people there's a, a movie on TV that shows how there's a company that uses all this information to create dissension on knowing when, uh, what kind of commercials to make what kind of commercials not to make to influence the masses so I stopped doing all that stuff mm-hmm. and you know it's like Henry has a, a thing he says it's like one snake with two heads <laughs> you know <laughs> and then right. people are fighting over this. Oh. Family members.
2: Yes, it goes right, it cuts it's right ugly. It's like, you know, they had, uh, well, you're a history buff. Yeah. It's like the Civil War. Oh, man. my goodness. I mean, it's uh, brother against brother, uh, Cousins, father against yeah. sons, mother against their sons. It, I mean, it's just, it's really a divisive time. I mean, it seems like we are as polarized in our nation right now as in the time of the American Civil War. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if our nation has a, has had that kind of uh, division like we're, we're seeing today. Yeah. And I hope people will start tapping into their truer nature, their better nature, their more optimal nature, so that they can, um, you know, recognize, hey, we're all we're all on the same team here.
0: <laughs> no. Gone with the wind. Gone with the wind. I love oh. Gone with the wind. That's a great movie. Whew.
2: Great movie. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> and that's
0: one of my. That's one of my faults, though. One of my weaknesses, my wife and I, you know, we've been retired for a while, and we love Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it has taken away from my writing. I have to say it has. Mm-hmm. But I see some of the, the storyline on of some of these, like we're watching this one called uh, uh, Un Hombre uh, Correcto, it's our bandit, uh, the good honorable bandit who went from being a bad guy to a good guy and all the struggles he had to, to stay strong and be a good person. Mm-hmm. We're hooked on it. We're hooked on that show. We've been hooked on all the cartel movies, uh, novellas, and uh, it's taken away because I just can't uh, think anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think sometimes. And it's right. terrible. Oh, I just, and I know everybody, so many people are hooked on that. They would rather watch Netflix than read a book.
2: Yes, and I think it's so. Oh my gosh, people, you're you're. You, it's not about you know uh, trying. You're just getting lost in, in another world in that way. It opens your mind in ways that uh, you can't get anywhere else. No. Reading a book it allows you to be able to make connections and link, and it, you you start seeing diff- You start seeing the world differently. I, I think, in a lot of ways, you become much more compassionate.
1: Yeah. It
2: opens your heart in ways that you know it, it is not possible because the storyline that you watch on television is going to be short, it's going to be clipped, it's going yeah. to be driven by uh, language and action. It's going to be a little bit different. And in a story, you have to develop a character, yeah. right? You have to develop the character, uh, and it's as a writer, yeah. Yeah. Now you're originally from Colorado, yes?
0: Yes, um, I was born and raised here. Uh, Grew up in Commerce City. Yeah,
2: okay.
0: And um, it's been my whole life. My my father was a uh a rancher in New Mexico. He raised cattle. Actually he was even even did some of the cowboy things like uh roping. He he's uh had a real fast roping time of twelve seconds. He always t- told us about that. <laughs> he wasn't a very big guy, he's actually a little bit shorter than me and uh but he was quite the athlete, mm. you know, and that's, that's one thing about our family members. Um, my grandchildren are great athletes. My kids are great athletes. So I think they got it all for grandpa, mm. great grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay, mm. but.
2: Uh, did you ever, uh, did you, could you, what was it? Uh, rope? Rope? No, did you rope?
0: no. Yeah. I grew up in Commerce City. I did played a lot of baseball yeah. as a kid, and I wrestled wasn't very good, I was like on JV, but I learned how to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was terrible in basketball. That's what are some
2: of your favorite memories that you have from Colorado uh, while you were growing up? Do you have anything? Yeah, I, that do, I do, about? I
0: do. I had um, some great teachers mm. in middle school. My g- middle school teachers, I have to say, had more impact on me than my high school teachers. Uh, they were they, a lot of them that were former servicemen. Yeah. After they got out of service, they became teachers, and uh, they were just great guys. You know, like they were like like second parents to me. Yeah. I thought. And uh, the woodwork. My my very favorite teacher was uh, Mr. Villani. He was the woodshop teacher, and he uh, he taught me how to. Uh, this uh, that was my first example of te- learning how to teach because he would have me do some of the demonstrations mm-hmm. under his tutelage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would always administer the test to the kids. And actually, Henry was one of the students uh, during that time when I was uh, administering the test. He was in that classroom. Henry? Or H- Henry Archuleta, the big produ- production wow, guy. Wow, Henry had. over there? Yeah, <laughs> he was a good kid, man. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, so that was my first example, or yeah. first. Uh, I got the wor- uh, woodworking award that year, and I actually I didn't even think I was that good, but it was just more of a uh, Mr. Villani really supporting me yeah. as an individual, as a, as a student. I always kind of looked at that, but for the students that were on his bad side, oh man, <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> That's why I behaved so well.
2: <laughs> was that why? Uh, you know what? What inspired you to be a, a teacher? You know, because well, before you were, you were before you were a novelist and wrote your books. You were a teacher.
0: And yeah, had, uh, it was it, interesting because um, I was a junior in, at UNC, the University of Northern Colorado, and um, I was sitting there. and I still hadn't, you know, declared my um, my major. So I went in and I talked to my advisor, and he says, "Albert, um, what was your favorite subject in school?" I said, well, Probably social studies. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me with the most sincere look and said, you're gonna be a social studies teacher. <laughs> and I never looked back. <laughs> I never looked back and I was on my way mm-hmm. and uh, became a teacher, 30 years of service. Mm-hmm. In the summers, I, I really had a great experience at the University of Colorado. I. Uh, I, would, I taught uh, civics and geography uh, to the pre-collegiate students, the ones that were going from uh, high school to college. Mm-hmm. These were like students who uh, probably uh, needed support financially, but they were good students, and they were all motivated to learn, and they were, those were my 10 most, uh, uh, the best years I ever had mm-hmm. as a teacher, because the kids loved me, I just like, wow, this is heaven. <laughs> I'm teaching kids. I want to learn. And they want to read. And they want to they want to become someone in their life.
2: Yeah. Well, and but as a teacher, that's so difficult. And for the teachers that tune into the show and listen out there, one of the hard things is being able to get your students to learn from you. And uh, and then if they're resistant or they're not paying attention or they're being, uh, you know, an attention grabber, a crazy maker. I mean, that could really deter from, you know, your ability to teach uh, the class, right? I mean, it can really yeah, I,
0: I had a—I taught middle school, too, a little bit. I taught about 10 years at Kearney Middle School. And at, uh, at Kearney Middle School, I also had – I was the head wrestling coach for mm-hmm. the school. And um, I'd get kids in that were, like, rowdy kids that would – would uh, give all the teachers problems and stuff. So I'd, I'd invite them to get on the mat and, mm-hmm. and show how tough they were. <laughs> and we go in there, and I would work them over <laughs> really good. And uh, they would re- they would just really think, "Wow, this is awesome!" I would show them a couple moves, bodies being thrown in the air and stuff. And wow, you could do that, Mr. Q. I say, "Yep." Yeah. So one day we had this one kid, it was after the wrestling season, and he was gonna fight a kid outside in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And these are middle school eighth graders. <laughs> and uh, so I go out and um, they say, oh John, he's gonna fight Mr. Q, you better stop it. So I go out and I go through the lounge, and there he is, he's squaring off with the guy, and I go over there and I, I grab him, I said, break it up. And I picked him up and put him on my shoulder mm-hmm. and all of a sudden here comes his uncle flying out of nowhere. He was gonna jump me. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. And, uh uh And the kid says, no, no uncle, no. Mr. Q will kick your ass. <laughs> 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 and I was over there like, that was close. <laughs> but those circumstances like that, I also did um, uh, a middle school program for at-risk kids. And it was um, at Burger King Academy of the Rockies. Uh, school District 14 got a uh, a grant to work with uh, 40 kids that were at risk, that were, and these are really tough kids. Mm. And uh, I could only do it for three years, and I had to resign because it was really... I was looking at all kids as being bad and everything. Yeah. So I got out of that program. But I remember one time, uh, some of the kids were so bad they could only go half the day. So they would meet, go on the bus. We'd walk them to the bus. And this one girl, she had a boyfriend that was an older guy. He came and and she told him that one of the guys from the Burger King Academy were giving, him a hard t- giving her a hard time. So he shows up to, to fight this mm-hmm. kid. This kid was, like, mean. Mm. And uh, my assistant, uh, Mrs. Garcia, she was a bigger lady. And she was there, and she got right in front of that big guy Mm. and stopped it. And I was like, ho, ho. But those are, like, some volatile uh, experiences at –
2: What is your, uh, you know, because those memories, that when they happen like that, and I think teachers aren't given enough credit. I need a battle pay. Battle pay. Better pay pay because they are are shaping and forming the minds of the future generations. They're risking themselves in those kind of – to try to – children that are, uh, you know, uh, disadvantaged or uh, hardship at risk uh, situations trying to rescue as many as they can and give them the opportunity to follow their potential and to become something greater than they could ever imagine for themselves. And, and teachers don't get enough credit for those things. I mean, they're, they're doing that uh, heroic struggle living that ordinary life that so many people don't know about and, and the challenges that they have to face. And, and, and they need to be esteemed in our society for the, what they're contributing on a much higher level than what they are currently today, I think.
0: I think a message to uh, the teachers out there is that when you stand in front of that classroom, you don't know the lives of those kids that mm-hmm. are in those days. You don't know the lives that they go. You don't, you don't walk in their shoes. You have no clue what they're going through. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them are so impoverished and, and it's sad. They're just so sad and angry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it's your job you know it's it's not it's not part of the uh job description but it it should be
2: yeah no it it, it does and, and i i think that uh you know a lot of the anger stems you know because they've uh you know they feel abandoned they feel uh, abandoned by why their me? families why me uh they, why did i get born into a, an abusive household or family system why was i born why wasn't And all those things and that sense of the culture and the society having abandoned them and left them into the, you know, all those things contribute to it. Yes, they are responsible for their choices, but they need mentorship and other people to be able to help guide them in a way that helps them to recognize truly how powerful they are. And it's the teachers who so often are the unsung heroes who do that. Albert, we're almost, uh, we've got a few more minutes left here on the show and here at KUHSDenver.com. Just want to make a quick shout-out to KUHS. Uh, we are broadcasting live here today out of Denver, Colorado, and broadcasting all across the nation and all across the world. We're li- being listened to this show by uh, people from around 40 different countries. I just want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Every uh, time this show is aired— Uh, for the uh, incredible support and, uh, you know, belief in in what this program is all about and your continued support is really, really, uh, I just thank you each and every, I have immense gratitude from all of you, uh, for all of you. Um, Albert, could you share an experience with us that touched your heart and made you realize that you wanted to be a writer and bring out these hidden stories uh, of Colorado and New
0: Mexico. Wow, that's a hard one. It just actually, I just, I the thing that touched me the most is, I wanted to offer something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was an offering to something that I thought was important. I think because in my last days of of, of teaching, I knew I was going to leave, and it was like. What can I do after I retire to still have impact on the world or in my world, how big or how little that is? And I think those last days I would sit back and I would would look at my classroom and I would say, who's going to take my place? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Who's going to take my place as a teacher? And then I thought, left, and I said, now this is where I start writing books because I'm still a teacher, no matter what. I'm still Mm -hmm. learning, I'm still conveying. But I do have a lot of support. My wife's a very supportive person. I want to give her a shout out, Luis Quintana, Desiree, Melody, Carlos, uh, Javier, Jen, uh, Monty. um, Some of the uh, supporters of uh, Q Nection when I was here. I'd like to give a shout out to Lil Mora, Gilbert Romero, I know I had a whole list of them, <laughs> I know I have a whole list of them and I can't even think of any, but. Um. Well, everybody who's uh, uh,
2: listening uh, right now, we're doing, a, we're almost done with the show for today here mm-hmm. at uh, at the council. Um, We're just doing a few shout-outs. Shout-outs to people, shout-outs to everyone. I want to make a (laughs) shout-out to every one of you for tuning in today. Thank you very much. Uh, And,
0: uh, oh, yeah. Let's go ahead and go to the promotion of my book, Yep. The Crochet Lady. Uh, You can also look at it, uh, authorhouse.com, Amazon, and uh, quintanareads.com. And uh, also, you can look up uh, the Crochet Lady on YouTube. I do have a uh, video there. And
2: um, what's the video? Is it about the book? The video,
0: yeah, Yeah. the video is about the Crochet Lady. uh, uh, The promise to write this book for the most incredible lady I know. Um, And. uh, I guess that's it.
1: Yeah, well, uh,
2: and when people buy your book, you know, uh, do you what do you hope when they start reading this book? When they buy it and they have it in their hands and they're looking at it, yeah, and they're opening up and they get to the what? Do you, what is it? What is your hope? When, you know, because as a as a writer, for my, you know, for the book that I wrote, I want people to to, to to cultivate their souls, to see the importance of how beautiful their soul is, and to mm-hmm. to use these. Techniques to help get them to that. So that was my, it's my Yeah, intention. I think, I think appreciation,
0: appreciation yeah. of life. Because here it was uh, Ida Cisneros, and she was in her last days, and uh, really didn't get too many people to go visit her. She was a sad lady at that time, so we tried to make her as happy as possible. And uh, a shout-out to all those people who do have uh, parents at home that need help, who need to be talked to? Who need to be respected? Mm-hmm. You know the dignity of the age. You know, as we get older, sometimes uh, we kind of turn our heads uh, away from the older older people. But you know what? They're wise. They have experience what you have and more. And always keep in mind that. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> they do have
2: that, and and some of the. Uh, wisest things that I ever heard or ever learned came from uh, my elders. You know, and, and elders, uh, you know, they have that life experience and wisdom that only comes from living life. And so, being able to share those stories in meaningful ways allows us to uh, to learn from them, to grow, to recognize uh, the challenges and obstacles that people had to overcome to get us here where we are today. And to carry that, that energy forward, that ancestral energy forward in a way that, that helps us all, that helps every one of us. And if we're all doing that and we're all contributing and all have that inner, inner guidance that d- directs our life in that way, can you imagine the world that we'll have? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> I'm
0: working on two more books. Oh, that's is, great. Is you that okay? Yeah, you got some more it's books? It's okay. I'm working on two more books. Uh, the Surviving um, – the Surviving DNA, The Human Story, and uh, the book that I've been working on for the longest time is uh, no, more, uh, no More No more Green Shelly. <laughs> Not from Poland. That's, wow, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, that's it.
2: Fantastic. And they can get all your books at uh, Quintana Reads, Amazon, other places. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, Albert, I always ask my guests, uh, before we close out the show, if there is one bit of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, (laughs) what would it be?
0: (sighs) To love one another, to respect people's ideas and never think that they have nothing to offer because everybody has something to offer. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... And I have to, to, you know, continually uh, um, tell myself that because sometimes I do prejudge. I do prejudge and I don't mean to. I know it's wrong but um, I just, it's learning. I'm 66 years old and I'm still learning. <laughs> you know, it's, right, it's I crazy. Think, yeah. it's, I learn from my mentors and I have a lot of mentors. Even even today, I can look at Charlie Pacella as one of my mentors because today I've learned quite a bit from you.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, I feel very honored to meet <laughs> you. No, but uh, congratulations. I know okay. on, on your books and everything that you've done. And, and, such a genuine, sincere, honest heart, uh, and uh, love of what you do, and I can see and know that you love your family and every. Uh, just you were must have been an inspiration to thousands of lives or hundreds of lives in your student, te- uh, in your school teaching days. Yeah, and I can certainly uh, see I'm, that.
0: I was also very involved in the church. My wife and I, we play music. We're in a beautiful choir in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I was like. Oh, God. Well, Albert, it certainly
2: was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And, uh, folks, we are done for today. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to the council here at KUHSDenver.com. Thank you, Henry, and everybody here at KUHS without you and, uh, you know, this uh, incredible station and studio and being able to reach so many lives uh, around the world. Thank you, Henry, and everybody here at KUHS. Uh, Tune in. Uh, There's fantastic shows, programs, music. I mean, it's a a, a wonderful, wonderful place. Uh, Number one in in Denver. So please tune in to KUHSDenver.com. We will be back in two weeks with another great guest. Uh, Until then, may you all be well. May you all be free of suffering. May you all be whole. Council is adjourned. See you in two weeks. God bless. (laughs)